What's up, coaches? Hopefully you guys aren't getting too bored uh, over here over the off season. Uh, I know we got spring break coming up uh, shortly, uh, either you know last week, this week, or uh, you know in the next couple weeks for you guys. Hopefully everyone's enjoying uh, that time. We're going to enjoy that time with their family. If you got some long road trips that you guys are going on, taking that uh, that uh, vacation movie style uh, vacation and and road tripping across the country. Um, you know, save some of these podcasts to your phone and, and uh, so you don't have to use your data. And uh, check out some of the awesome podcasts we've been doing lately. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've had some really, really great coaches on. Uh, I'm sure you guys will really, really enjoy it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Right now, Team Builder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. That's team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sports Performance Tracking, or SPT. Sports performance tracking is a wearable GPS device that athletes can actually wear during football games. GPS analytics has been used at the pro level, but never filtered its way all the way down to college and high school until now. With GPS tracking, coaches can measure workload of a player to ensure that they aren't overworking or underworking. SPT is used by almost 25,000 athletes around the globe, from professional football clubs in Europe to high schools in Texas. SPT allows coaches to understand their players' fitness levels and compare to other players. One coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe said, there's no more hiding behind effort. Get the best out of your players and keep them injury-free with SPT. Go to sptgps.com for more information. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're a coach looking for a personal playbook tool or you're on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. They have recently released a new product called My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels, from Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all the way to the NFL. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. Again, that's myjustplay.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Zachary Earps. Coach Earps is an OL coach at Cypress Ranch High School just outside of H-Town, Houston, Texas. Uh, listen as we talk with Coach Earps about scheming great defensive players in the Houston area, playing a tough schedule week in and week out, and his company that he created, My GA Online, uh, that assists high school coaches with practice planning and depth chart. You can follow Coach Earps on Twitter at Coach underscore Earps, uh, Earps at H-E-R-B-S-T, and at MyGA Online. Hope you guys enjoy. My football journey started in Bastrop, Texas. I graduated from Texas A&M in 2009, and it was a... Uh, hard finding a job. So I went to job fairs everywhere. I landed in Bastrop. I coached middle school football in a small town, which is real fun because you go scout different places. You see how like the old coaches would do everything. You have these new guys, like you hear stories about you meet up and trade VHS tapes. And I like to tell young coaches, well, we used to trade hard drives back in my day and you had to go upload it to huddle. That's right. Yeah, so uh, I was there for two years, and then uh, Texas had a big uh, money problem, so I got out of teaching for a couple of years. Actually, got back into coaching at where I am now at Cypress Ranch, and uh, I got a job at the middle school. And the head coach walked in. And he's like, "Do you still want to work here?" I'm like, "Okay." So I walked into our principal's office and interviewed for my job, and shorts and a t-shirt right before that camp started so that was a pretty big day and I've been in, at Cypress Ranch for this is my sixth year and uh I've coached O-line and running backs and quarterbacks and I've been doing quarterbacks for about four years now 
So that's where it's a pretty simple, not a very exotic journey compared to some of the other guys you interview, but yeah. <laughs> no, but, but have been in some of the best parts of Texas. Uh, so Bastrop, right, is, is a little bit closer to like Austin. Uh, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it's 22 miles east of Austin. Which and, uh, I mean, I mean that part that part of Texas is unbelievable. I don't, I don't know if Bastrop's in that area, but is in that actual you know whatever the the hills of of uh, of Texas over there. But man, I, I got to go through there a couple times, uh, at least through Austin, and and they talk about the you know the, the hills country, hill country. Yeah, and, uh, it, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 not as like it's got hills and canyons, but it's not as good as like Wimberley. Um, or that's where all like all the people go and look at the blue bonnets and the seasons change. And it, uh, I remember actually at Wimberley high school one day we we're there for a track meet and right next to the football field, there was a piece of land and there was two decks built up on these guys land. So, you know, they would just sit out there, hang out on their land and watch high school football. I was like, I probably <laughs> drink beer out there. I was like, that's pretty cool. I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> yeah, get to watch football for free. It didn't get a whole lot better than that. No, sir. And then um, in Austin, there was somewhere I went because I went down to, to UT and there was this, um, it's like way back, it, it was like in the middle of nowhere almost, but it was this barbecue restaurant. The Salt Lick? Uh, yeah, Salt Lick. Yeah. We got yeah. to go to Salt Lick and that was uh, just, you know, it was it was obviously really good barbecue, but just the whole thing around it was really cool. And yeah, they were kind of barbecuing inside on this big pit, and it was a whole big, uh, huge parking lot. That was a really really cool deal too. So uh, a lot of really cool stuff around that area. Yeah, and then uh, Cypress is uh, right around Houston, correct? Yes, sir. It's a uh, it's Northwest Houston. Uh, we, you know, it used to be one of those things that Houston ended and Cypress started. But now it's all just big one big thing, and we're uh, I think like 25 minutes from downtown Houston, 50 minutes from College Station. So a lot of we have 12 high schools in our district. So there's a lot of a lot of growth and a lot of kids that are really good at football and other sports. Well, that was kind of the weird part when I moved to Houston because so obviously Houston's such a big big area, but um, and then not only is it huge that it's anyone anywhere close to living to Houston uh, kind of says they're from Houston and then you right. find out, you know, maybe they're from different cities, but uh, I mean, it even expands that city even larger. Right. Yeah. And, and when you, I remember when I was in college, you would say like, where are you from? They're like, you're Houston. I'm like what part? And they said, I'm from Katy. Well, that's not Houston. That's Katy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly you know? right. I like, I grew up in spring branch. So I grew up in actual Houston. And, you know, you meet people, they're like, oh, I'm from the Woodlands or I'm from Pasadena. I'm just like, I'm just saying I'm from Houston. No one knows where Cypress is. So I just say I'm from Houston. <laughs> That's right. Well, you, I think you were pretty generous to saying it was 25 minutes downtown. That might be uh, at, at 11 o'clock at night. But Oh, yeah. Uh, or on it, a it, Christmas Day, we uh, got close to downtown in about 25 minutes, but there's only like eight people on the road. <laughs> I was about to say maybe then, but um, I couldn't get to downtown almost from the university in 25 minutes. No, and uh, uh, at four or five o'clock traffic. No, we. Uh, I. Uh, I also coach baseball, and we played at U of H in the regional final in an hour on a bus with a bunch of kids, and I was driving in traffic, and oh, that's just that's nerve wracking. Got that big old bus and people weaving around you. I can only imagine being on a bus. It was, uh, it, you know, for me getting used to it those first few years just in a regular car was was unbelievable. So to, <laughs> to be on a bus during that uh, was would be uh, would be pretty wild, and there's no doubt. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to Houston is actually, and I was interviewing for a job down in in Richmond at uh, at Fort Bend Travis, and I got in late, so I had to get my rental car, and I mean it, it was a downpour. <laughs> on, on one of those interstates. I mean, it was like literally like floods. I'm driving through water and I'm just like, I don't know where I'm going. Luckily I got a little GPS and I mean, I, I am just flying and I'm flying through all the, I think there's tolls. Yeah. Like, hey, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to stop. I'm not going to stop and pay any of these. <laughs> <laughs> they can build a rental car company or they can bill me or whatever. But I just remember that, that first night I ever got in. Cause you know, the airport's way up there on the North side. Yeah all the way down to the, to the Southwest side. My buddy was actually living uh, just North of there in Katy. 
So I, I got to know the area pretty well, you know, from a couple of treks down there. And, and wow, what what great football. I mean, high school football, everywhere you go in all the suburbs, I mean, it's it's just absolutely phenomenal, the, the number of athletes and, and players you guys have. And I know at your guys' school, there's nothing different. Yeah, and it's and it makes district, you know, like when we were last year before the realignment, we had a 10-game season and nine games were district games. And, you know, if you survived the gauntlet, you got to the playoffs, you had it pretty good. And, you know, it made you a lot more prepared than, you know, playing at a district where you go undefeated but there's only one other good team we uh you know uh we had I think one year we had a total of like nine playoff wins as a district out of the four teams that went in when it was just one and now this year we had our district got split and we had two four round deep teams and it's just it's it's an experience and it's fun and it's challenging but you know, it's every week's a big deal. Well, it's also kind of a cool setup to me, like even how the playoffs work. Now, it's it really stinks if you're in Houston or, or Dallas because, um, you know, your first few rounds, there are no gimme rounds. You're playing um, top-notch talent from, from day one if you make it in the playoffs. If you're lucky enough to make it in the playoffs with all the unbelievable teams. But it was kind of cool how it pits, you know, regions against against each other where, like, in Oklahoma, it doesn't matter if you're in the east or west, or it really doesn't matter. They kind of all are all kind of intertwined. But where Texas is big enough and's got enough good teams that uh, you know, a lot of times in the, in the state championship, you're looking at a Dallas for Houston team or a Dallas for San Antonio team, or or you know, however it plays out that year. Yeah, and like yeah, that's how the six A classification is usually a big school. But I remember I was watching a game. They all the high school football game championships are on Fox Sports, and I was watching like a two A or a one A, and I'm like, I have no idea where this town is. You know, it's just, and it's crazy how just you know you go to small towns and football is like it is in the movies, and then you come to a place like the city, and there's little those little pockets, and there's passionate fans everywhere, man. It's awesome. I was going to say, because you'll watch some of those city games, you know, I mean, the pageantry and everything's there. I remember going to a, a Bel Air game. Uh, I, I forget who they were playing. We got in a, a early because we were playing Rice the next day when I was at Tulsa. So we're over – I just hanging out with some buddies and watching Bel Air play. And it wasn't, you know, there's a couple hundred fans. But it was still, you know, the, the half-hour halftime. You know, everybody's got to dance. You get yeah. both fans got to get out there and get it rolling. I mean, it was it was still really, really cool, even though, you know, the, the crowds weren't, weren't super packed. And then you had, you know, six D1 athletes at Bel Air. And the other team probably had, you know, four or five. So you're sitting there watching, you know, guys just compete and go at it. And there's, you know, 200 people watching the game. You had, you know, six sets of lights. And it, to me, it just felt like home. I'm just sitting there relaxing in a T-shirt and shorts. And like, yeah, this is the way it should be. Yeah. yeah it's definitely different. And it's funny that you talk about, D1 guys has like every every team they can be 0 for 10 every team has a guy or two or three that go at the next level that you spend half your week losing sleep over or hmm. and I think I think that's one of the coolest things is that every you know every school has a chance to do something great and these kids have a chance to better their lives through football and I was not blessed with such talent so I just <laughs> yeah, I hit the books and that's what I did <laughs> I just I remember just looking out there. I mean, you had like just offensive line wise. You know, there's two. They, Beller had two kids, both like six six. You know, two hundred and sixty five, two hundred and seventy pounds. And you're just like, oh my god! You know, running around, pulling, trapping. It's <laughs> just like, give me three of these guys. You know, I mean, it was, it was fun. I had a blast. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. Just how many you know, freak athletes can be in one little area. Uh, yeah. I remember when, when uh, Herman, I think it was when Herman just got it to Houston and, and talked about making, you know, if you could keep every Houston kid in Houston, uh, it would be a, you know, undefeated team almost every year. You'd have, you know, the top recruiting class in the country maybe if you could keep every Houston kid in Houston. So, or at least in that, maybe not in the city of Houston, but like I said, in that surrounding hour to two yeah. hours, uh, just – how many you? I mean, you said it. You're going to play someone every week, no matter if they're yeah ten and ten and zero or zero and ten. That's got at least one or two freaks on their team. Yeah, 
Like I, I've always wondered if, you know, when you'd make your all district team, if you could, you can't, obviously you can't like go play other teams cause you know, those kids are dumb by then. But like you look at some of those all districts, like you're like, Oh my gosh, like you, that's a college team right there. Yeah. These kids are 16, 17 years old. Coach. So, you know, you, you've coached a bunch of different positions and you, you're talking about some of these, these athletes that you kind of have to game plan around. I mean, is that, is that one of the things, you know, are there some games where you go into, it's like, man, I don't, I don't know if we can run at this guy or I don't know if we can, if we can run away from this guy because he's going to chase everything down, you know, when you're coaching O-line or now you're coaching quarterbacks and you're like, okay, when, you know, Akuda or whoever's in the, in the secondary, you know, we're not going to throw to his side or we're going to have some special things for it. You know, understanding some of these matchups, is that one thing that you really spend a lot of time on game planning maybe before anything you do kind of schematically? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You want to know, like we always want to know where the best guys are, obviously. And we, um, like we always try to think about, well, if there is a really good secondary player, well, what makes him good? Is he just really fast? Is he just that good of an athlete? You know, do we, sometimes those like the best guys never get attacked. So they're really good at running you from behind. So if you actually run at them, you have a better chance. But Definitely those, I mean, those guys aren't getting all those offers just because, you know, they look pretty. They're getting all those offers because they're really good athletes. And if you don't know where they are, that's kind of like how I always think about, well, he's there, he's there, he's there. What do we do that fits that? Or what do we do that we can exploit this or that? You know, it's because, you know, great athletes can make great plays, but they're not perfect. At the end of the day, they're just 16 year old kids that you hope that your kid can out execute them and hopefully athleticism takes over with your kids and all that technique. And, but we've, we've had a good, my school's had a good uh, reputation for not being scared of D one guys. And you see them on Saturday playing, you're like, Hey, we beat that guy. So that makes you feel good sometimes, but you know, those kids are just phenomenal athletes and amazing. So. Well, Coach, you talked a little bit about going from uh, – and one of the weirdest transitions to me uh, from offensive line uh, to quarterback. So what kind of brought on that transition or what made you, uh, you know, fall into that? Well, we uh, – I coached – my first year I coached O-line. Like I was – the way we had it set up, I was the O-line coach in our freshman period, which I, I still am our O-line coach in our freshman period. But our head coach transitioned to um, – we have 13 coaches – and everyone has a varsity position. And I did running backs one year, and then he asked me if I want to coach quarterbacks. And I was like, I told him no, to be honest, the first time, because <laughs> because that's a very daunting, very daunting thing. But um, it kind of just fit in. And he, my our, our head coach, he played quarterback in college. So we, I, you know, we both work on it together. I do a lot of the, you know, the day to day, he does a lot of the cerebral stuff, but it kind of just fit and it's been four years and, uh, it just, I don't know, it just kind of happened. Like most, you know, most of the things in your life, you're like, you're just in the right place at the right time, having the right conversation. And it just kind of happens. Then you look back and you're like, how did I get here? And, uh, that's, but I still coach our O-line, uh, freshmen, the seventh period kids. And I, I tell you, I love O-line. I love those guys cause they protect my skinny quarterback. <laughs> and they and they know we they know our quarterbacks you know make an effort to know that they love them because nobody nobody loves up on those guys because the only time they you hear about them is when they do something wrong you know running back runs for three hundred yards and pass for four hundred you don't hear about oh the old line blocked every single time and didn't allow a sack or their running back wasn't touched until he was seven yards down the field you know stuff you don't hear about so. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt, and, and the more you can you can prop those guys up, the more it becomes a cool position at your school and, and the uh, or with your program, and, and the better that group's going to get. I think something we do a great job of because our head coach was an, an NFL offensive lineman, so uh, you know it just builds that that group and builds kids wanting to play that position. Uh, Walls, you had to make that same transition. Um, I don't know if it was directly from offensive line, but you did a lot of other things and then ended up uh, a few years later coaching quarterbacks. What was that transition like for you or what was that um, thought process? Maybe you've done quarterbacks uh, way before in your career, but uh, you had to transition from O-line to quarterbacks. Yeah, I'd coached 
um, I'd coached quarterbacks before, but I, I think the, the one thing it did once when I'd gone from QB receivers to, you know, learning more about the offensive line and then kind of falling in love with the offensive line, loving to coach the O-line, and then going back to quarterbacks, I thought I brought a, a lot more knowledge of protections um, a little bit better understanding of kind of a full offensive scheme. So I think when I was coaching quarterbacks the second time, it wasn't more about coverages. It was more about, okay, are you going to be protected? You know, checks in the run game, making sure we're getting in and out of, of bad plays. And then I think teaching them kind of that a little bit more of the, the toughness of the QB position, not really, you know, I, I didn't want to have a kid playing for me who who I felt was a, a visor seven on seven. You know, a hold up. <laughs> I mean, that's just just not my style. And I think you know, coaching offensive line and and having a little bit of that mentality and taking it to the the QB position helped a lot. And I think you know it, it helped the the leadership of the team too. When you you consistently have a kid who's maybe you know kind of kind of white collar and 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 feels a little bit special and thinks he's pretty sweet about himself. Um, I, I'm not about that. So I think having that mentality after coaching O-line, Coach Harper really, really helped with me coaching QBs because he kind of built a little bit more of that bond, the QB with the offensive line and, and more of that understanding. And then it bled over into a lot of the, the skill kids that he was going to end up working with. Yeah, it's really funny. You said the the visor seven on seven guy. <laughs> my quarterbacks, I, I don't let them. I don't let them wear visors because you know in Houston it's humid and there's a little bit of a sprinkle. And I mean that you start can't see anything. And I, I always get paranoid about like it may never never happen, but I want to be in that one game in the middle of a play and you're breathing hard and your visor fogs up and you can't even see. So huh. that's that's right, and that's something that not many people get about Houston. Maybe there's some other cities that are close, but uh, growing up my whole life, Oklahoma had been pretty humid. It is a pretty humid state, but you go to Houston and it's completely different. I mean, you wake up in the morning and, uh, you know, 7 a.m. workouts are sometimes more brutal than 2 p.m. workouts because oh, yeah. the humidity is is just, it's an unreal. I mean, I'd come out uh, for morning workouts at 6 a.m. and and we wouldn't, I couldn't use my iPhone. It was too, it was too wet, you know, to, to use my iPhone. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You get that, you got that nice dew and then the sun, it starts heating up and it feels like you're sitting in a sauna and it's, and it's like thick and oh. <laughs> it's brutal, but it's something that uh, I, I'm sure at high school level, maybe you guys don't get to use as much. Um, but in college was, was a great benefit to us and all the big all the big teams that we played all the big you know power power five teams uh, if they were coming to play Houston we were scheduling them for 2 p.m. in the afternoon and we were going to yeah. burn them out yeah that's that you know that that first game of the year when half the teams on both sides cramp up and if you only have like one or two kids cramp up you feel like you won the game just because <laughs> you feel like you're better conditioned yeah, exactly. Well, Coach, we talked a little bit on Twitter, and, and, and you had mentioned being such a, an analytics guy. That's really what was, was interesting to me and, and why I was excited that we got to talk to you was uh, we haven't heard that much in this past year and a half or a year and a few months of us doing the podcast. We haven't got real into analytics, and, and I think it's something that you hear a ton about in basketball, and, and obviously – football coaches use it, but, but you probably don't hear it, you know, necessarily as much. And, and you especially don't hear it at clinics or, or much when you're talking to other football coaches, it, it, a lot of it comes down to scheme and, and different things like that. So what are some of the big analytics that you're looking at? Well, I mean, what we, what I, when I look at like uh, the two things really is like, I have an offensive self scout that we look at and then we have like a defensive, but, to me, it's uh, like we, you know, when you do blitzes, well, every, you know, you do blitzes on huddle and you click a button, it tells you when they blitz. Well, it's first down, second down. Well, is it, you know, is does the field matter? Is it, is, is it in the field or is it in the boundary? Is it when you're backed up? Is it when you're in the red zone? You know, you kind of, you try to quantify the data of a defense, whether it's front, slants twists blitzes coverages and you try to match them up and find patterns and i mean huddle's a great tool to do a lot of this stuff but you know um a lot of coaches 
they just sit there and watch film and they go off their gut and there's a lot of data that you can actually put in. So for example, if you notice the will backer in a four, three defense gets hit to twins. Well, if you really want to, you can track it and see, well, is it true or is it not? Is it based on is the boundary of the field? So there's all these things you can start figuring out because, you know, coaches are human, they have patterns and you can start, you know, kids can only know so much. So if you can figure out a pattern through your data breakdown, it can help you from the game plan standpoint. And then for a self scout, I have, I want to say it's like 35 columns on huddle that I fill out every game. Wow. Like we do formation formations, like, like if we have a, a right set and a left set, we combine them together. What mm-hmm. the play is, is a quarter. What's the alignment of this guy, that guy. And like, really what we do is we try to find our patterns and, you know, are we, you know, if the ball's on the right hash with our strength to the boundary, are we going to run the ball to the boundary or run to the field? And that's kind of the kind of stuff you don't realize in a game, but then you break down, you're like, Oh man, we ran power to the right side 30 times and ran it to the left side twice. And well, is it because you were winning a lot and you just ran that play or your right tackle is a D one kid that can just smash anyone and their son with them. But it's that, that to me, it's that kind of stuff of what can you quantify about an offense or defense and what can you track? And, uh, baseball is doing that has been doing that for years and yeah. they they talked about the NFL is going to start, you know, using more analytics and all that kind of stuff and be able to track those things. But it's comes down to what are the patterns from an offense or a defense that you can find? I always think that's interesting too. You know, you go be a GA and you work in, in college a couple of times, you, you get to you almost go, you know, punch drunk from all the film you're sitting there watching, you know, you're banging your head and you've had, you know, nine Red Bulls or a couple of espressos, <laughs> you know, and, and you start to, to see some of these things. But to me, it was always interesting, you know, tra- tracking backfield alignments, you know, tracking uh, alignments of fullbacks. Is he inside the tackle? Is he sitting on the wing? You know, w- what player are they running when, when they're lined up in those two different spots? Some people just look at it and like, oh, yeah, we call it this formation. Well, you, you know, defenses need to be a little bit more precise with, with where that guy is. Um, you know, you'll see people that just break down film and, it, and they're, they'll just say trips. Well, right. is there stud receiver at number three? Is there stud receiver at number two? Is there stud receiver the single? Is, is he outside? You know, what plays are they running when they're, they have their, their dude? And they're moving him to, to certain spots. You know, what what routes does the does the quarterback like to throw, or you know what routes can he throw well? I think you know sometimes you need to be able to track those things. Sometimes you'll just see the the general, ah, and this you know they're they're seventy five percent pass. Okay, well cool. What passes do they like to throw? What passes is he completing? You know what passes is he throwing interceptions on? Who does he throw to? Who's his best friend? I think there's. There's so many pieces of information that you can gather, especially through the week. You know, you kind of start with that broad view and then maybe you can really drill into, okay, here's, here's two or three really key things. I think that might be able to help you. You know, here's two or three things that you, you might want to be aware of because, you know, it, it was, it was almost uncanny. Sometimes you'd, you'd be at, at Jenks or sometimes you'd be at, at Broken Arrow and, and you'd have all these tendencies and you'd know, well, the team you're playing is tempo. And how am I going to signal that call? Like, Hey, here comes this play. Well, they're already snapping the ball. So I think, you know, there, there can be some, some advantages, but at the same time, yeah, not, not per- paralyzing yourself with, with all of that data that you do have. Right. And, and that's, and that's the, that's the, to me, that's one of those things that you can't, I mean, you can't quantify everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're talking about finding that stud receiver. And I mean, you can just, one of the things that I know I've seen defenses do is they just find out what side of the field he's on. You know, they, they, uh, they'll find a quarterback likes to throw to the left side more. So he's on the left side of the field. He likes the, he gets more throws from the quarterback. He's on the right side. He's not necessarily a threat, Mm -hmm. like seeing those kind of big trends. But at the end of the day, you know, you can spend 30 hours breaking down a game, (laughs) but all that stuff might not tell you anything. You know, it's, what can you do? Like, for example, uh, you watch a third down defense. Well, is their third down defense different in the field uh, when you're backed up? Obviously, it's going to be different in the red zone because it's the red zone. 
defense has the advantage in the red zone. And I hate, I hate the red zone to be honest with y'all. I just hate it. <laughs> can't run. If you can't run zone and power, I, I just, or throw the ball up. I just defense gets the win, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes it really hard if, you, if you're not, yeah. not able to, to run the rock for sure. Yeah. Or like you said, if you got a, a freak on the edge that you can throw it up to. Yeah. But, uh, and it's, it's, and to me, it's just that kind of stuff. And then you, if you, if you're sitting there watching film and you notice something, then you can just go start tracking it and to see, you know, one game, Oh, that's true. And then you can go back and try to see something. Cause you know, I know O-line guys love watching hands of D linemen. Like, are they a, are they a inside hand down team? Are they, I put my hand down. That's where I'm going. I put two hands down. I'm bull rushing. And you know, they might not label that on the film, but they're still going through that in their head and seeing if they're right. I always thought that was the, my favorite one. You know, you'd, you'd have the guy and I'd be telling you that all the time. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find two tendency breakers and you're like, all right, yep, screw that. It's not, it's not true. And it's, well, Hey, maybe it was the, the slappy, maybe it was the second string guy. And like, okay, you want me to go back and look at it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right, I, here we go. You know, and it's like, coach, uh, we can block this guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that good, right? Do I need to really break this down? We know when he's echoing, you know, strong or weak. Like, all right, whatever. I, again, I, I think some of it's some of it's pretty hilarious, you know. And I, I would always kind of thought it was funny too when, when some of the guys wanted you to label fronts. There's some O line coaches, like the, the guy I work for now. Literally, he's he has he goes it's three fronts. He goes, and I can go through him, you know, but he's, he's got, you know, split box even, you know, stack box even, and then odd is literally all he, all he wants to know because that's what the kids need to know for their basic calls. And then he's like, okay, I can drill more into it as I go. Then I've had other guys where it's like, I want you to label everything. If it's even, I want to know what technique he's in. If it's double twos, I want a certain call. If it's a, a G and a three, I want a call. If he's in a shade, I want a different call. And you're like, oh, my God, that's when you're really starting, like, I hope I got my contact solution because I'm going to be working <laughs> for about yeah. six hours here to determine. He's like, hey, coach, make sure you mark that a G when you're going back through it. Like, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah and, <laughs> and then yeah, you know, I'm they, not... want you, they want you to know to, like, hey, 30, 32% of the time they were in a G, you know, 30% of the time he's in a shade. I'm just like, really? <laughs> yeah, well, we, uh, it's funny you said, like, you know, when I think I find a tendency and like I start going through it. And I, 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 you say something to the staff and then you start going through another game and then you're watching it together on, on the big screen. And then all of a sudden there's like a tendency breaker, like that's just one. It's not, and then it happens again and again, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, never mind, guys. I'm sorry. I wasted the last 30 minutes of our meeting. Sorry about that. But no, yeah, I always like, I always think it's funny because we, we, we try to label and like keep our front simple as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. But I always wonder, you know, it's a high school kid. He could be wrong. He could be in the wrong place that one play and make a great play and he never does it again. But hey, you can't take that chance. So yeah, I was, I was always like with the blitzes too, you know, the coaches would be like, ah, don't, don't even put that, you know, don't put that up there. Or don't put that on the cut up. You know, they had two guys in the same gap. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe some of the teams do it. And then you find out that, yeah, some teams would, Hey, we're going to put two guys in the same gap on pass downs because we know you're not going to be able to block it. And it's like, well, I wish we would have practiced that, you know? So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I always thought that was kind of interesting too. You, you know, so I'd always be kind of going back and forth between the O and the D staff. Um, some of the funner stuff I actually got to do was break down our defense. And I got to do the reports for, for them as well. So you talk about self-scout. He's like, I want you to do it with an offensive lens. How would, how would you game plan and how would you beat me? And you did actually find some pretty interesting things there. Like there were certain fronts where they'd line up in and they would never blitz. So I'm like, do you realize, coach, guy, that uh, you've lined up in, in heads? You know, that's what they called, you know, the double twos. I said, every time you guys line up in heads, you've never blitzed. He's like, What? I go, never, the entire season. I've got like 60 cut-ups of it. You guys move, and you guys do some different different things and twists, D-line games, but you've never brought a fifth guy. It's like, that's going to change in the bowl game. And we got him with it a few times too because BYU knew the same thing. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and, and, and we, you know, we do that in practice. You know, your, your, your defense tries new stuff, and then they exploit your play, and you're like, well, if our defense can stop this play, someone else is going to figure that out, even though they, you know, they see us every single day. Someone's going to be smart enough to figure that out. 
<laughs> well, that's one thing I like to look at um, is is if we can get a an offense like whoever, right? We're playing a certain defense. Is if we can look at their offense playing that same defense, uh, maybe from a different team, but you know, if we're going up against a defense that's an underfront, um, and and their offense is is in week two played an underfront. I really like looking at at what their offense likes to do, uh, because a lot of times when they get to work against an underfront. Um, week in and week out, they start finding answers, you know, all off season against their own defense. Now, I know Walls, that's – Walls got a lot of, of good uh, odd beaters uh, from being at Jinx for so long because, you know, he saw odd three, four uh, so many times that, that they start game planning, they see it, they see what works. And so, a lot of times I like to steal steal a few few good plays or, or concepts uh, from, from a team's offense uh, against that similar defense. Yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing, but backwards where I'm like, you know, if we're playing a, a pro-I team and they run lots of power, it kind of scares me to run power sometimes because it's like, well, they see power every day. They know how to defend it. And then it comes down to, well, our we always say our offense is better than theirs anyway, so we're fine. <laughs> That's so. right. Well, <laughs> while speaking on, um, on, on, you know, labeling fronts, I, I've never really – I don't know why – I don't know. I think you label the fronts for whatever helps you as a coach. I don't yeah. – I, I think that it's um, almost uh, a waste of time to, to show it to the offensive line, uh, the players. You know, I remember in college getting, getting these readouts that would say, like you said, 34% of the time they're an over and 34 under and 32 <laughs> odd. And then well, on third down, it's 50-50, either odd or under. And you're like, well, cool, but it's still going to be one or the other, so why does that matter? Why don't you just well, tell me, hey, they can get in these three things, and we're going to rep them all week. Well, if you, if you think what, what I try to look at, well, if they're an under, what's the coverage behind it? Is a blitz coming more often? So, I mean, that's one of those things that, I mean, you think about big picture, if they're in the overfront and they're going to bring a guy – 43% of the time or whatever. I mean, that's, that's a pretty high percentage. So as a, as a, you know, you look at the big picture, it could help, but, and that's what I try to do is you try to find, you know, if you, cause if you blitz somebody, your coverage is going to change. And if you do a twist or you do this, somehow the linebackers have to respond. So that's the kind of stuff that I look for where if the, cause I always start with D line cause everything's built off the D line. If the D line's doing this, the linebackers have to do something else and the coverage has to protect everything. So if you look at them all together, it could be a great help or it could mean absolute nonsense. Like you said, because a lot of good coaches out there won't give it away. They'll be in 50, 50 and cover four, six, zero. So, I mean, that's, and then to me, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that you try to find. Yeah. It, for, it's, it's a good point. Like, you know, I know coach Johnson, them, you, you he'd want to know like what what's their base defense walls you know what what are they what are they normally in you know normal down first and 10 p10 you know what what's their their base defense where they're not pressuring and then he wanted to know okay are are they are they bringing pressures from that alignment how often or or do they change their alignment and then bring pressures so sometimes you'd be able to tell okay they're in over defense most of the time when they line up in under or they move the shade and you're expecting it or you see something like, whoa, they're not in under or they're not in over, they're bringing field blitz or they're bringing cross pop inside or they're bringing some sort of, of run stop stunt that they would have. So that would be kind of the thing is like what didn't look normal to you and we just have a, a, a hootie who call. So it wasn't really – we knew exactly what was going to come. We just knew maybe we are a little bit more on alert like, yeah, something's a little bit weird here. They normally line up like this. They changed it up. Here comes some sort of yeah. Yep. Yeah, the worst case in it, like that worst case scenario of, oh, they've shown this, this, and this. You know, if you're prepared for the worst case scenario, then they don't do it. Oh, this is fine. You know, that's always that. And then, uh, and then to me, like then when you're, you know, you're breaking down film, you just, and you're, trying to you know collect data is one, like if i get really obsessed like if we're in a playoff game and i'm a really bad teacher that week and i'm watching a lot a lot of film you know i'll start labeling how the corner lines up his butt to the sideline things like that to try to figure that out but 
that's been the biggest waste of time of my life. I've done that three times for three weeks. It's terrible. Never do that. <laughs> what do they always say? Corners can lie, but safeties don't. That's you know I might start saying that. <laughs> that, that that's pretty good. As I say, corner doing checking corners and coverages. Corners always lie to you, but safeties, you know, they might show something, but and even if they move late, they're going to have to be in a position. Yeah. Got to do what they got to do. So it's like trust the safeties, don't trust the corners. Can't yeah, we always say corner, Harper. <laughs> we always tell the safeties. Safeties tell the story. That's what, what I always said because you know, yeah, you're exactly right. Is they have to be right because that's why they're the safety. Because if they're wrong, there's a touchdown. <laughs> Hence the name of the position, right? Yeah. I, you know, I always think about, you know, I've read some books about the history of football and naming positions and like some of them, it's like the safety. Like, what should we call this guy? Well, he's making sure the end zone safe. Safety. That's perfect. I love it. I want to know how they got the backs, Harper. That's always been my, my biggest thing is how did you get quarterback and halfback and fullback, I mean, I, I kind of understand a little bit with the fullback, you know, the size and stuff, but, you know, wh why was it a quarterback? Why isn't there, like, you know, I don't know, a 20% back or something like that, Harp? Yeah, I don't – it's all it's all weird. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> at least at least the <laughs> offensive line makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. But um, you know what still never makes – for whatever reason, I just haven't been able to wrap my head around is is a um, a Sam, a Mike, and a Will. And, and it makes sense if you're talking traditional 4-3 defense. But as soon as you get out of that, it never makes any sense to me. Well, I mean, that's – Yeah, what that's, do you call it? I was just we, I mean, we, we always do – the you know, the Mike's the, Mike's the strong, Will's the weak. And then the Sam, if they have an outside linebacker, he's a strong guy. Then we have our defense is a three, four. So we have a joker on the backside. And, you know, that's, I guess the fundamentals four, three was the first kind of real defense and it just stuck. But to me, three, four, you can't have a mic because no one's in the middle. That's what, that's what always trips me up. If you're going to say there's four linebackers, then no one can be in the middle because there's only four. Well, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of y'all's podcasts and I've read a lot. There's five ways to play football and a thousand ways to call it. And it's just every these coaches come out with these new things. Oh, it's this new it's this new word and this and that. It's like, oh, it's you're just you made a different word for the same play. Like, you know, when we teach techniques, you know, like twos and two eyes and fours, my it blows my kids' heads because we call a head up on the tight end a six. Mm -hmm. inside he's a seven outside he's a nine right. so they're like they're like coach how it goes from four five and then he goes seven then six i'm like dude somebody figured this out way before i did <laughs> it doesn't matter we're all on the same page this is all that matters <laughs> walls dub doesn't use that does it he goes six i doesn't he yeah he's changed it to six i because he thinks it makes more sense and it and it probably does yeah Literally, I I stay with I stay with seven just because just because you know hey there's a two dollar bill out there too and that doesn't make any sense either but guess what it's tradition dang it <laughs> yeah, well hey when everything costs twelve cents and fifteen cents a two dollar bill made lots of sense yeah yeah but and like um, if you have a a defensive lineman not over the guard but just over the center what do y'all call it he's in the a gap just barely over. You're talking. You're talking. He's he's on the center. No, he's he's not. He's not head up on the center. He's just barely off in the a gap. We we'll call him a one or a shade. I call him a shade. See, yeah. See, we say shade, and I hear one. I'm like, what's a one? Like he's. I don't know what a one is either. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's shade is strong or weak. He's not a one. A one strong that is. But it's just funny because every you talk to coaches and they're talking and you like, what word is that? And then you put it in your own lingo and especially when you go to. You know, I mean, I've always, I've only been in two places, and I've coached spread and at at ranch where we're like real multiple and zone and power and passing concepts. But you get new guys from other schools; they're like, "Oh, we run that play, but we called it Tiger, or it was Quantico," and they have to like relearn all of football in their own words. Well, that's sometimes what what I still have to do because we have a 
uh, a head coach that's now we've had like three different offensive coordinators. So, uh, you know, he still sometimes speaks and three years ago, ago lingo. And then I kind of need to translate that what today is and what we call it. And so um, I, I feel you on some of that. And then um, it, and the other thing walls that I always get, I don't know, made fun of, but it's something that I don't think I'll ever change is on, is, is on the board and I'm drawing up linebackers. Uh, I don't ever care if he's the, what his name is. I just put it up as a B. He's a linebacker. He's a backer. He just gets B. <laughs> I I still do that too to this day, just simply because again I, I got tired of people like correcting you. Oh, hey hey, whoa, th- that's the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that guy's the mic, and that's a joker. And and no, he's a he's he's an S with a he's a money sign, but that guy's a, is a strong safety, so he's the just okay. regular S. Yeah, yeah, so that that took me. We do. I do a strong safety is a money sign, and the free safety is a FS. That took me a while to get used to. Yeah. But it's you know, it's just whatever your school wants to do, and as long as your kids understand. Because at the end of the day, who cares what you call it if the kids understand? Who cares? That's right. Well, that's that's why to me it yeah. doesn't really matter that much as long as you can get it lined up and they can see it. I mean, on yeah. paper, it, it it's. I mean, like you said, whatever. It's on paper. It's do yeah. the kids know it when it's it's real live bodies and, and they're flying at them and, and can they pick up the right guys? Can they read the right people? And can they come over to the sideline and talk to you and say things? And you're like, oh, okay, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I always think it's pretty funny. It's It gets to be hilarious. And, and to me, it's just kind of some of that, that coaching office, you know, humor. You know, when, yeah. when, the, when the defensive guys draw draw things upside down like they always do. <laughs> Not you know, not enough guy. Not Harper always say, not enough guy, guys on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> That's always my favorite one because you know they draw the guys in quarters. Like oh, you only got four guys on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> um, that's, but that's funny. to me, to me, it's just it's just golden and it's ribbing stuff. And again, like you've said, coach, it's it all becomes semantics. But it's just amazing how people have you know different schemas of what they've learned, and uh, and and literally we're saying the same thing, but. It, it turns into some of the funniest conversations ever. And it's, you know, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a crap? Coverages, coverages are the worst. Oh, those oh. are, those get named so many different things for the exact, those, I think they do it on purpose to make it hard to, to break into that, that part of the, well, because zone is zone. I mean, maybe you call it wide zone or, or outside zone, but zone zone people know what power is people know iso but you start getting into coverages for dbs they've got all sorts of different names well the it's when we when i'm talking to my quarterbacks and we're talking about stuff my starting quarterback will be like oh yeah that's cover three fire on madden i'm like okay whatever it's cover three fire (laughs) we're gonna call it this my my favorite's like i mean then you get the defensive guys again and and then it's uh, I'm, I'm I almost liken it now to like what tribe they're from. You know, are, like, <laughs> are you are you Saban tribe? Are you are you a Gary Patterson tribe? You know, and then they have their different ways of calling it. No, no, that's special. No, 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 that's stubby. No, no, that's solo. No, no, that's <laughs> Harper's yeah. over there like writing them down as fast as he can. Like, what is with all these S words? And like, I don't know. I can't tell you either. But that's when it gets really, really funny. And it's like you know, then you see the the Twitter wars. And you know, and you got the guys speaking Sabanese and Pat, you know, Pattersonian or whatever the heck it is. And I, I just love it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's I think it's you know, if uh these Twitter I do a lot of these Twitter chats and you and you follow them and the defensive guys, they get fired up and confused about, you know, what do you call this, what do you call that? You know, I was doing the the hog football chat on Monday. And it says, do you flipper? And like th- only one guy asked what a flipper was. Everyone else was like, yeah, no, yes, this, that. And I'm like, so you don't have that. Oh, offensive guys don't have that problem. There's only six or seven plays in football. <laughs> That's right. It all, yeah. it all makes sense. We're pretty, we're pretty inclusive. Anyone that right. wants to try their hand at offensive line or, or offense, we're all for it. Come on over. Yeah. Well, and I always make a comment that, I mean, I think offensive line coaches – are the most willing to share anything like they'll tell you everything that you know you come come down we'll you know we'll, we'll drop our entire scheme for you you know you try to look at wide receiver coaches or especially quarterback coaches they're like <laughs> they don't want to oh this is my super secret sauce to having yeah. a star quarterback and 
<laughs> I'm like, okay, well, we're all going to throw the ball. There's, there's a couple of ways to throw a ball. They're going to defend it. Let's put it all together. <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you work at coach walls? When you, when you have a good QB? Well, I moved into this zip code and I just so happened to have the son of two really athletic people and smart people. And this, all of a sudden this son lived in the same zip code as me. And I got lucky enough to where he goes to the same school in the same zip code that we're in. I'm a great football coach. <laughs> yeah, that's a, we actually, we had a guy, he graduated two years ago. He was like top 5% of his class or something. And so he went to Texas and he walked on, played football for a year, practice squad, hung it up, walked on, made the basketball team at Texas. And uh, I just remember saying, there, get, uh, a parent gave me a compliment. I'm like, yeah, sure. He, you know, I just, I just try to help him out, show him some film. We talk to him and he's just a genius. It makes it makes me look really, really good. <laughs> all I, all I did was stay out of his way and didn't mess him up. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's like me when, you know, like when you're watching kids throw, it's just, if it works for them and it doesn't hurt and it's like kinesiology. Okay. I don't, I don't try to mess with stuff like that because, you know, this kid's been thrown a certain way for 15 years. And as long as it's not hurting their body or going 10 yards and dropping down, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. I've, I've changed a lot. I think as far as, you know, when it comes to QB mechanics and, and, you know, Will, Will Hewlett, Dub Maddox guys that, that I've worked with in the past that have really, you know, kind of molded some of my philosophies and, and, you know, you modify it and you kind of, yeah make it a little bit simpler, but I mean, I, in talking to Will, I've changed a lot on the whole, you know, kind, kind of let the kids figure it out, let them create. I mean, you watch all these phenomenal passers in the NFL. And again, people are like, Oh, you're going to compare these guys to NFL players. I'm like, yes and no, <laughs> obviously yeah. they're not, they're not that talented, but they've also had the ability to, you know, create different ways that they can release the ball, you know, whether it's a little yeah. bit, sidearm or sometimes I'm not going to be able to take a full stride or, or you know I'm gonna to have to work work some extension or I'm gonna to have to work a pressure throw and, and where can I get out of there I just think kids being able to kind of experiment with that find what works for them find what doesn't and then when, when they are struggling and they're not accurate that's when a coach can come in and, and have a couple of pointers for them well here's a couple yeah. things I see you know not unlike a, a golf swing you know most of those players on the PGA Tour they got it figured out but every now and again they need a guy just to come in and tweak something, make sure they're still, still rolling. And then, Hey, get it out of their head, flush it, go get it done, man. Yeah. And, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of it to me is, you know, you have a lot of quarterbacks play baseball too, and you can throw a baseball yeah. so much different. And I get freshmen in that throw the ball with their elbow and their elbow hurts. So that's a lot of the stuff that I fix, but I always point out that, you know, you look at Phillip rivers, he's got the most unorthodox throwing motion ever. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball just all over the field. And then I always, I always like to show Michael Vick film because Michael Vick could hold the ball behind his head and then throw it 75 yards with like absolutely no effort. And I've watched him and I have no idea how he does it. Like he was just <laughs> that gifted of an athlete that he could just throw the ball wherever he wanted without even trying. Yeah. It's, so. it's phenomenal to watch some of them. And again, you know, you hate for some of these kids to kind of, you know, try to emulate and I can do this, you know, and I'll, I'm, I can already see it, you know, with, with Mahomes, you know, how many kids will be trying the no look passes. And oh my the, God. That and was the, amazing. <laughs> and the sidearm throws and stuff like that. And I get, I get it, you know, in, in practice, but I think, you know, at the same time, having some fun, embracing some of that creativity, but, you know, still harnessing it like, Hey, Hey dude, you know, until, until you're at his level. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's wait on it. But, you know, some of these kids are going to have to be crafty to find some of these lanes. You know, we're, we're starting five, nine, five, ten, six foot QBs. You know, some of them, you, you might not have the opportunity to get out of the pocket, you know, so step up, find those angles, hitting those underneath throws. And I, and I think there's a, a time and a place for some of those, if you're going to really be special, you know, and, and not be that robotic QB. Yeah. And, you know, and it's really funny that you say that because when you think about if like, you know, if the pocket breaks down and quarterback runs or, the running back does this and you always go tell those kids to go be an athlete. You never tell that to offensive line, offensive line. You're like, Hey, you're going to do this. You're going to step this foot. You're going to put your hand here. 
he does this, you're gonna put your hand here. It's never, you know what, just go, just go throw him in the dirt. Just go get a pancake, you know, <laughs> unless he's like twice his size. You never go tell the offensive line, oh, just go be an athlete. Go figure it out. Harper, have you ever used that coaching point? Never, not once. But uh, <laughs> to be fair, um, I, I think at high school level, I probably haven't had any of those freak athletes. Uh, maybe one right now that we've got that's a high school All-American. And, and I think I try to stay out of his way a lot more than others. But I would never just say go be an athlete. Uh, with that being said, though, I was watching an NFL game, uh, and I think it was – I can't remember his name, but it was one of, one of the big-time left tackles, and he made – it was against like a three technique. Cut the guy off, threw him down, and then worked up to a safety for a touchdown. Um, and the very first thing I looked at was he stepped underneath himself with his right foot. I mean, the, the, the whole thing is you got to and, – and I've stressed it for four years. You have got to put weight on your left foot and – in your mind and you got to even torque that knee in throw your head you've got to have a great first step this guy he almost stepped with his right foot onto his left foot and still cut off this freak of a three technique threw him down then made it to the safety um you know if your guy's doing that uh probably don't mess with him <laughs> go be an athlete let him step however he wants so you would you grade him down on that for like for you know technique you grade him down and then execution you'd give him like a plus I, I wouldn't. I don't. Um, I don't grade on technique. I, I really. I really, honestly, don't try to grade at all. I. I that is, and maybe it's just because it was never really, really explained to me very well. I but I think it's the worst way. Maybe not for every position, but I think it's the worst way to, um, to to do with offense alignment as a grading system. I've never found one that was good. Uh, they've always tried to use it in college, and I've always thought it was the dumbest thing in the world when uh, at a football game I got an 87%. Uh, it, it made no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, to me, the best way to do it if I'm breaking down film after a game is is I put, I put uh, a column for each position, and I go in there, and if they did something right or wrong, uh, I type in what it was for that play. So left tackle would be, hey, first step needs to be here, blah, blah, blah. And I'd go through it. i go through that for all of our practices too. And then that way uh, at the end of practice, I can go make a list of, okay, uh, this kid, you need to work on this tomorrow. This kid, you need to work on this for the next week or whatever that is. I think that's way more uh, – that actually does something for the kid um, where uh, if you made an 82 or you made an 87, okay, cool. I mean, I mean to me that meant nothing to me as a player. So – um, I've never, uh, I grade them out as far as what they're doing, but I don't give them a percentage because I don't know what that actually does for the kid other than did they play well or did they not? Um, well, by the things that, by, by how many times did you actually get the guy blocked and by the notes that I leave and by looking at yourself on film, you should know how you played. I never needed in college a, an 87 or a 75 or, and I think that that doesn't take into account a lot of different things. Are, are you a guy that just gets in the way enough that we spring, spring the ball uh, and he gets an 82 for that. But then another guy that gets an 82 mauls his guy every time, you know, for those 82% to me, that's that guy got the job done a lot better than the other guy, but they still get an 82. So um, I, I am, I am fairly against uh, giving a grade system to offensive linemen. Again, maybe it's just I'm not smart enough to understand it, but <laughs> I never liked it as a player. And so I think my guys get a lot better benefit from uh, actually getting coaching points on, on each of those plays. Harp, there's actually a lot of research behind that, man. That that could actually make for a, a really good chapter in the book. And it's also <laughs> yeah. make, make for a really good podcast, but you, you're describing basically giving kids descriptive feedback, right? So rather than just punching out a, a grade and it's like, oh, sweet, I got a number, you know, giving them descriptive feedback is what leads to learning and what leads to improvement. All the stuff that Coach Walls has been learning now, he's an instructional coach. So good job, Harp. <laughs> that's really funny because that's, that's what I think I was sitting here listening to y'all and I was like, oh, I get your side of it. It makes sense. That's one of those probably controversial topics. Oh, that yeah. coaches talk up, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, I gr we grade players, but kind of like what you said, when they get if they do something wrong, you don't just say you did it wrong. You say 
this is what you did wrong. And for me, like giving them a grade shows growth. Like if you said, you know, you did this many mistakes this game, but now you're getting better and better and better and better. But you know, if you're if you're winning games, hey, do what you got to do. Tomato, tomato, man. Yeah. Well, well coach, kind of coming up on an hour, but but wanted to make sure and get to uh, a talk about. Uh, the, I don't know if you want to call it a company or 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 what you call it, but uh, you know, with my GA online, uh, tell us a little bit about that. How you got that started and and, and how that helps coaches out. Yeah. So uh, my GA online, it's a web application for athlete management. And what it basically does is the foundation of it is you have an athlete database with every kid in your program, you know, their first name, last name, the position they play. And we have it set up where you make your depth chart. So the most thing that the thing that's always correct is a coach's depth chart. So you move kids up and down and move them around. And then we have it set up. So when you put your depth chart on the computer, it automatically makes all of your rosters. So if you move a kid from, you know, your JV to your varsity, it automatically moves them for you. It has uh, pronunciation names and media rosters. So, you know, if you have a kid that we had, we had a kid, uh, last name was Greer, and they always called him Greyer. So, you know, you have that pronunciation that's always there for them. And uh, we have an attendance feature. And it kind of started because, you know, we would always go change the depth chart on magnets and you'd go into the Excel document and type it out and then you'd go post it. Well, one day I was doing something with Excel and my head coach asked me if I did this, can it do that? And it just, I made all this thing in Excel. And what it's, what's point is, is that coaches have enough stuff to worry about. You know, they don't need to waste three hours a week, you know, updating a roster, having a kid's name spelled wrong. Um, you know, trying to take attendance at practice on pen and paper and then going back inside and putting it in the computer. So the whole point of the company and the product is to help coaches save time, spend less time working and more time coaching is the slogan that we say. And it's, we've had 12 clients, um, this past year, it's our second year. We had three state champ or three district champions. We've, uh, we say we're saving offenses. We're saving staffs over three hours a week, but it's, and you know, it's not meant to make you win a championship. It's not, it's not going to tell you the best scheme to run, but it's going to give you more time with film, with your kids, you know, even going home. Cause you know, every staff's got that gopher guy that does all the technology and doesn't get to get home until late. So that's kind of what it is. And I don't know if I did a great job explaining it to be honest with you. No, it, it, you know, it sounds, sounds awesome. And, and it's something that, like you said, is, is important for, uh, for those guys that, and, and unfortunately a lot of times it's the younger guys, uh, that are staying up there a lot to, uh, to help, to help all the, uh, old heads with, with the technology, uh, not necessarily the case with our OC right now. And with walls, they were both very tech savvy guys, but, um, a lot of times and a lot of staffs, uh, it's not always the case. Yeah. And it, and that's, and that's what it was when we designed, when we designed it, that was a big thought because it takes a, you know, it takes a little while to set up, but you can customize it 100% to what your program wants. But any coach that knows how to click a mouse and sign their name can go in there make changes on the depth chart, print rosters, um, and all the things that you need to do. And one of the things is that the roster is always updated. So if you have, you know, a mom's club that needs to know how many kids you have on the varsity or how many seniors you have, all that information is always 100% up to date and you don't need a lot of training to actually use it because we know, I mean, coaches aren't going to waste five hours during the year to try to learn how to do something. So that's a big, a big thing that we tried to do when we designed it. That, that's my favorite, man. Cause I, I was the roster guy this year, and it's you know some of them. Hey, hey, can I get another roster? Hey, can I find? They can never find the roster. Right. They can. They all. Every coach has a login. They go. They click two buttons, and boom, there's a roster. You can have an alpha order. You can have a number order. Um, any team you want. And what's cool about it is like, even the sub varsities have really cool rosters. And you know, you know, people love freshmen and sophomores and. 
but you know, you have rosters so their parents can come to the game and like, Oh, there's, there's Billy, there's his name, there's his number. You know, you don't want to get that call. Oh, you spelt Billy's name wrong or they're saying his, or they're saying it wrong on the PA. So we try to alleviate as many problems as we can. So you can just, you know, go coach football. Well, it sounds, it sounds awesome coach. And, and um, I, I'm sure, like I said, a big time saver, which is really, really important when, uh, when you're talking about the, the few hours you do get to spend with family during the season. Um, coming up on an hour though, uh, last question I always like to ask guys is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that make you think highly of their offensive line coach? I always think um, when you do three things, when they break the huddle and you see them pointing and talking and communicating what's going on. And the second thing is like when they all move, you know, when you're running a play and all the linemen move and sync and it's nice and pretty and they're all hip to hip and going along and just mashing people. And the last one is where are they when the whistle blows? Like we always say, stay engaged. So like the three things is, really too communication and staying engaged and that those to me that shows a coach that teaches his kids how to play football and how to understand football and the importance of you know what the offensive line actually does and that's gonna do it for this episode of rtp we want to again thank all of our sponsors you guys make sure and go check them out help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power and if you enjoy running the power go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.